I visited Nerling's headquarters, and in this video, I'm taking you along for the ride. Hey there, welcome to Neuropod, a channel covering news and updates about Elon Musk's company, Neuralink. This episode is a little bit special. It's kind of a hybrid between updates from the past month and also some of my personal takeaways from talking directly with Neuralink engineers. In this episode, I'll share that Neuralink's patient registry is now open. This is not an application to participate in the trials, but it's a good first step for Neuralink to understand the needs of new individuals. We'll talk about some key takeaways from the technical presentations. And since I'm gonna assume you watch the full show and tell event or the supercut version on our channel, rather than recapping the event in great detail, I'm gonna use this part of the video to share some things you may have overlooked. We'll discuss Neuralink's commitment to animal care and then I'll talk about my personal highlights from attending the show and tell. I'll share some pictures and thoughts after talking to several employees. Before we get into it, please consider subscribing for upcoming technical conversations about Neuralink's tech advancements. I'll soon be interviewing James Delma, who will break down a lot of the complicated science and technical language into much simpler language. Many viewers and followers on Twitter often ask me how to be the first to sign up for Neuralink's clinical trials. According to Elon Musk's comments at the latest Neuralink show and tell event, he said he expects they'll have implanted their first Neuralink in a human in six months. We think probably in about six months we should be able to have our first Neuralink in a human. So. Although Neuralink does not currently have any clinical trials available for enrollment, they've made it possible for people to apply to their patient registry. According to Neuralink's website, this registry will help them better understand the specific needs of a more diverse group of individuals with various conditions. Additionally, the patient registry will also help Neuralink determine your preliminary eligibility for future Neuralink clinical trials. The primary criteria for participating in the registry are you have to be within the United States, be at least 18 years old, or in some states they require you're 21 years or older, and have quadriplegia, paraplegia, vision loss, hearing loss, and or the inability to speak. They also include a statement about using the patient registry information to potentially join Neuralink's consumer advisory board or participate in Neuralink events. Although I've mentioned this in prior episodes, I'm not sure it's been made clear to the general public or folks who have newly subscribed to Neuropod. Neuralink has a consumer advisory board, which they work with to better understand the needs of patients and get feedback. At Neuralink, we know how important it is to engage with people that will benefit most from these first devices. They do not operate in a bubble without making an effort to truly understand what features would be most useful and how to implement those features in the most useful way. If you know anyone who would be interested or benefit directly from applying for the patient registry, please share the website link with them, www.neuralink.com patient-registry.
Take a look at this picture I took right after the presentation. This is what the borehole in the skull looked like after 64 threads were inserted during the robot demonstration. It was fun to sit right next to the robot and see this in action. 1,024 electrodes were inserted in around 15 minutes. Here's a clip where Neuralink co-founder DJ Sa talks about expanding operations in Austin, Texas. At the end, he shares that Neuralink will build their own clinic. As Elon mentioned, we've been working very hard to go from prototype to building product. As part of this, one of the things that we did is to move our device manufacturing to a dedicated facility in Austin for scale-up manufacturing. And what's important to highlight and is evident in this clip is that it's very typical for us to have our engineers who design also work on the physical manufacturing line to build and debug. And this has been extremely, extremely critical in reducing our iteration cycle time. And we've also uh, scaled up our surgery. So we now have a dedicated, our own OR, in fact, a double OR uh, in Austin. And this is just a stepping stone before we um, eventually build our own Neuralink clinic. It is clear that Neuralink is truly trying to develop a generalized solution that is scalable. Scalable to the point that everyone who wants a Neuralink would eventually be able to get one. Elon explicitly stated the team is on the difficult journey from prototype to product. And part of doing that is scaling up manufacturing and being able to reiterate on the devices. Another aspect of making these devices widely accessible is having fewer middlemen play a role in product delivery. By Neuralink building their own clinic, or eventually clinics, patients will be able to have a much more streamlined experience. Might this be comparable to Tesla having their own showrooms rather than implementing the dealership model? I imagine there will be benefits in the form of more standardized surgeries, excellent patient care, and lower costs. Next was Nier, who's the head of Brain Interface's applications. He showed a visual comparison of the improvement in cursor control speed from just last year to now. Though this task may seem a bit rudimentary, this application will be great help to paralyzed persons. I urge you to keep an eye on the bitrate metric shown above each grid. Here you can see his performance from early 2021, around the time we released the previous demo. It's quite accurate, but it's a bit slower than what we would like. And Kersen Control is the foundation for interacting with most computer applications. So since then, we've been working to improve cursor's speed and accuracy. As you can see, it's much, much faster. Almost twice as fast. Following the presentation, Dr. Paul Nuyajikin, a Stanford professor, shared this. You just mentioned about bitrate. Uh, as the prior bitrate holder, um, I can confirm you have indeed shattered my record. So congratulations on, I think I saw a peak of 7.4 bits per second. Well done. This should come as no surprise, as Elon's often stated that this will happen in the future. We would initially enable someone who uh, has no ability, to, almost no ability to operate their their muscles, you know, sort of like a sort of Stephen Hawking type situation and um, enable them to operate their phone faster than someone who has ha working hands. As it is, the monkey could already move the cursor at approximately the same rate I can with my mouse. The fact that Neuralink has already achieved this record 
should be a clear sign they have excellent engineers who are going to continue pushing to make the devices that no other lab or company has made before. Next to the stage was Bliss, a software engineer on the Brain Interfaces team. He talks about the reliability of the implant and throws in a pun to share how simple it'd be for someone to use the decoding system. Here's what we want that experience to feel like. In this video, you can see Saki walking over to his MacBook and choosing to work on his typing task. The entire decoding system works out of the box, and it feels totally plug and play. Throughout the presentation, there were references to increasing the channel count from 4,000 to 16,000 channels. Here's a clip from Avinash's presentation. And finally, since these chips are the same size as our current chips, we can still put four of them together into a single implant for a total of 16,000 channels still within the size of a quarter. Next, Matt, the head of Brain Interfaces Electrical Engineering, discussed the improved charging of the device. Take a look at these improved electrode threads, link implant, and wireless charger. These pictures are all from Neuralink's website. The pictures on the left are the older versions that I had saved from the past. The pictures on the right are the newer updated versions that you'd see if you go to the website today. The real comparison to be made is with the technical specifications. Nevertheless, these are interesting to see side by side. Next, Julian and Josh discussed testing all aspects of the device. Neuralink is still a young company with a startup-y feel. Well, we started building the first system prototype just after the COVID shutdown had begun in early 2020. So we had to get a little creative. As you can see, our first system prototype was a little scrappy and operated out of one of our apartments, as indicated by the carpeting. Although scrappy, the system allowed us the fastest path to start testing our devices, tuning our working fluid chemistry, and checking our constraints. We also immediately started root causing observed failures in early implant prototypes, fed that information into the next prototype designs, and literally rinsed and repeated. This clip highlighted something that I want to stress. Although the team is willing to work long hours and reiterate on designs to make progress quickly, Neuralink is clearly making their best effort to ensure the devices that are actually used have been rigorously tested and are safe. Sometimes I get the sense that folks in the media and the random passerby I meet on the street conflates the thought of moving fast and reiterating quickly with the thought of not taking appropriate precautions to ensure device safety. From closely following this company and getting a chance to speak with employees, I strongly believe they both move fast yet they make sure the devices are as safe as they can make them. And this should make sense, given the fact that many of the employees have close family or friends who could benefit from these devices. One example of this was shared by Christine. Hi everyone, I'm Christine, lead of the surgery engineering team. When I was in school, my dad lost the ability to walk and to use his arms and even to speak. He was diagnosed with ALS. We would look on the internet and you could see maybe one person here or there who had some cool custom robotic assistive device, but it was deeply frustrating how limited were the options available to him. And there's hundreds of thousands of people with paresis, not even counting people with other conditions that our device might be able to help. The team has clear reasons to strive to make the safest, most reliable devices possible. Next, Alex, a robotics team engineer, 
discuss the importance of a patient being able to upgrade their physical Neuralink implant over time. This can be quite challenging given the tissue growth around the implant. Realistically, every new device version is going to be significantly better. It'll be more functional, it'll last longer. We need to keep this new technology accessible for our early adopters. This means that we need a solution to make device upgrade or replacement just as easy as it is to initially install. Next, Sam talked about the needle design and manufacturing. In order to test these needles and other components of the implant, the team is working on building a brain proxy. Leslie's presentation showcased the advancements the team's made in using materials that have characteristics more and more similar to the brain. There's a ton of ongoing work getting us closer to our proxy of the future, including work on lab-grown cerebral organoids, as shown here. And all of this will get us closer to a future where we learn more and iterate faster on benchtop and reduce our reliance on animal models, or even one day, replace them completely. The fact that Neuralink is working with organoids derived from stem cells reinforces that they're willing to explore practically any domain necessary to make and test the devices. This is somewhat comparable to Tesla being willing to get into the mining business so they can manufacture the volume of battery cells necessary to accelerate the advent of sustainable energy. Like an early Tesla investor probably wouldn't have expected Tesla to get into the mining business or HVAC business, most probably wouldn't have thought Neuralink would explore growing organoids. Maybe this will eventually lead to more exploration into other medically inclined fields. Okay, that conversation might be for a decade or two from now, but in the shorter term, Neuralink's first application will be giving computer control to paralyzed persons. This clip shows that computer control via six varied tasks monkeys with Neuralinks can do. Here you can see a few examples of tasks in different phases of monkey training. For example, left and right click, click and drag, cursor typing, swipe typing, handwriting, and even hand gestures. Later in the demonstration, Dan elaborated on what the first visual prosthesis might look like. This is a schematic of what a visual prosthesis using our N1 device, device might look like. A camera, the output from a camera, would be processed by an iPhone, for example, which would then stream the data to the device, and the image would be converted into a pattern of stimulation of the electrodes into visual cortex. With a thousand electrodes, we might be able to produce an image resembling something that you see there on the right. But as Avanesh told you, our next generation of the device will have 16,000 electrodes. If you put a device on both sides of your visual cortex, that would give you 32,000 points of light to make an image in someone who's blind. Our goal will be to turn the lights on for someone who's spent decades living in the dark. I cannot imagine how positively life-changing this would be for someone who is blind or has never been able to see. Then Dr. Joey O'Doherty came on stage to talk about a longer-term goal of enabling full-body reanimation for persons who have a spinal cord injury. This demonstration showcased Neuralink implants in both the brain and the spinal cord of a pig. The neural shunt concept of wirelessly sending the signals from the motor cortex to the spinal cord is how this could eventually help paralyzed people walk again. 
Okay, so here's a pig walking on a treadmill, and you may have seen something like this before in a previous uh, Neuralink presentation. But unlike before, this pig has more than one Neuralink device. There's a device in the brain, but there's also one in the spinal cord. And we can stream neural data from this device, these devices, in real time, and use them to do things like decode the movement of the joints of the pig. So here you can see on the left a time series of the hip, knee, and ankle, and we're decoding uh, those, those movements. So this is super cool, but that's actually not what we want to do. We want to go in the other direction. We would like to stimulate the spinal cord and cause movement to occur. Okay, so let's do that. So here's a pig, uh, a happy and healthy pig, doing what pigs like to do, which is root around for food and snacks. And as you'll see on the floor, there's a blue square. Uh, this is a voluntary engagement zone where the pig places itself, uh, indicating that it's comfortable to receive st stimulation. When it's in the zone, we stimulate, and if the pig leaves the zone, we'll stop stimulating. Uh, and as before, you can see we're able to track the position of the joints and also stream neural data as well. Okay, so let's stimulate an electrode. So here's one electrode on one thread that when we stimulate causes a flexion movement of the leg. So on the left, you can see the movement of the joints and you can also see the time series of the stimulation pattern in yellow. So the leg is moving up. To say the least, this is an extremely challenging endeavor. Although the timeline for this will be longer than many other applications, It'll certainly be rewarding if or when they can pull it off. Scritches! Scritches! Yeah! Good girl! Scritches! Neuralink has an ongoing commitment to animal care. It's unfortunate that the large media organizations have been flooding the news feeds with headlines about animal abuse and killing within a week after such a fantastic update event showcasing real progress. As was mentioned in Alex's and Leslie's presentations, the team is doing all they can to test the device in the lab, on the benchtop, prior to testing in animal models. They're even developing their own brain proxies. But as I said, we, 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 we do everything we possibly can to test the devices before, uh, not, even, not, not even going into a human, before even going into uh, an animal. So we do, benchtop testing, we do accelerated, accelerated life testing, uh, we have uh, a fake brain simulator uh, that has the, the texture and uh, it's like emulating a brain but it's sort of rubber. And uh, so any, we, we, before we would even think of putting a device in an animal, we, we do everything we possibly can with rigorous benchtop, benchtop testing. So we're not cavalier in putting devices into animals. Uh, we're extremely careful, and uh, we, we always want the device, whenever we do the implant, uh, if it's in a sheep or a pig or a monkey, to be confirmatory, um, not exploratory, so that we, like we've, we've, we've done everything we possibly can with benchtop testing, and, and only then would we consider putting a device in, in an animal. Here's a reminder of some of the things Neuralink does to care for animals. Processes in place for ensuring adequate animal safety are very stringent. Animals are cared for and are trained via the technique of positive reinforcement. Specifically, if an animal chooses not to participate in a task, they are never forced to do so. Neuralink referenced this in a video from the summer of 2020. 
it's totally amazing to see what they're able to do with training, all with positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement is where you offer an animal an opportunity to form a behavior and be rewarded for it if they choose to participate in it. We do give them the option of not participating. Neuralink continues to go above and beyond. As of 2022, the company is privileged to have the resources and support to set up something very different and new. They state that their central mission is to design an animal care program prioritizing the needs of the animals rather than the typical strategy of building for human convenience alone. In 2020, they opened a 6,000 square foot vivarium housing farm animals and rhesus macaques. The vivarium is staffed with caretakers who are passionate about animal well-being, which is a central tenet of Neuralink's philosophy. You can see in this picture some of the structural enrichments, which include swings, pools, branches, tree houses, and tunnels. These spaces provide ample space for animals to play alongside numerous Neuralink animal caretakers. In addition to this space, the company promotes a culture of animal welfare advocacy by ensuring all employees have the opportunity to meet with the animals and spend time with them alongside a trained animal care specialist. This investment in positive human-animal interactions encourages people to take that extra step to ensure their devices are designed to prioritize animal safety. There were several instances throughout the event where members of the team shared specific actions they take to ensure that animals have a great environment and are minimally used for testing. Neuralink recently released a blog post that reinforces this called Championing the Three R's. The R's they're referring to are refinement, reduction, and replacement. This blog post is the first of several more to come later this year and next. Anyone who reads these posts or listens to Neuropod rather than read the typical Neuralink news headlines will probably have a better picture of what's actually happening at Neuralink. By the end of the series, it should be clear animals are cared for extremely well at Neuralink. Prior to the event, there was a pre-party of sorts. The lobby area was packed pretty tight, and I had the good fortune of speaking to Neuralink employees in several departments and engineers working on a variety of projects. It was also fun to meet Justin Roiland, one of the creators of Rick and Morty, and Lex Friedman, an AI researcher and host of a popular podcast. The primary takeaway I had from the event itself was that Neuralink is now getting respect for what they've accomplished thus far from people who have a good understanding of the industry or have worked on brain-computer interfaces or on similar devices. Here's a clip of Neuralink's head neurosurgeon, Dr. Matt McDougall, comparing how current deep brain stimulation surgery compares to what Neuralink is currently working on. Yeah, the, the current approach involves a, a wire that you blindly pass in that's massive compared to our threads, orders of magnitude bigger, um, and so that's a low bar for us to clear as well. I guess people don't realize, like, for the deep brain simulation, just how big the hole is. <laughs> it's a, it's quite, I mean, it's, what is it, like? I mean, how, how, how basically, in current deep brain simulation, how much of a borehole is dr drilled in the brain? Yeah, you're, you're drilling um, a 14 millimeter borehole and then passing a two millimeter wire 
um, you know, six centimeters, eight centimeters deep into the brain. So all blindly hoping that you don't hit a blood vessel, telling the patient up front, this might be good for you. And there's a 1% chance you're gonna, your brain is going to bleed in a way we can't control. So That is current technology that is happening right now. So doing better than that is we can, we can definitely do way better than that. There's no problem. Our needle's 40 microns. <laughs> yeah. From watching the last two events online, it seemed like many experts in the field couldn't fathom how many of these Neuralink claims would be possible. Additionally, questions that were being asked were such broad theoretical questions for the future. At this event, real evidence of progress was shown. A plan for larger scale testing and manufacturing was shared. And the questions being asked were much more specific about the actual devices being developed. After the event ended, Neuralink hosted an after party where I had the opportunity to chat with some employees. I thoroughly enjoyed getting to meet the brilliant, highly passionate team working on these devices. One question I got to ask Dr. O'Doherty was, can you elaborate on the similarity or lack thereof between the link implants in the brain versus the implants in the spinal cord area that would enable full body reanimation? He said the links used in the pig demonstration were the same. He also added that physically accessing the parts of the spinal cord that are of the greatest interest is quite a challenge. He elaborated on some of these challenges in a similar way as during the presentation. This is very hard to do. The spinal cord is quite delicate and it moves significantly within the bony spinal canal. This could cause damage to the electrode, it could cause damage to tissue, or both. But our electrodes are small and flexible and our robot is able to insert them deep into tissue, perhaps all the way down into the ventral horn of the spinal cord. And so we have done just that. Here you can see a view from the R1 robot. It's a targeting view, and we've placed electrodes across many millimeters of the spinal cord. And the, the R1 robot is able to insert those electrodes deep into the ventral horn, into motor pools, in very close proximity to lower motor neurons. This is important because it allows them to have a localized uh, connection to those neurons and activate very precise movements. Another takeaway was that I had already known the team would be passionate, scrappy, and sound with their technical abilities. Meeting them in person reinforced this. These interactions reminded me of a conversation I had a couple days prior with fellow YouTuber Warren Redlick, where we chat about the Tesla team. I believe that same logic can be applied to the team at Neuralink. I, I think like the main thing is that it's underrated how smart and passionate these Tesla engineers are and then how much that value gets amplified by working alongside other smart and passionate engineers, right? Because it's like, if you have one individual fantastic contributor, but they're working with other people who are a little bit less motivated or a little bit less clever than that individual contributor who's fantastic they all of a sudden become like fantastic times 90%. But if they're working alongside other people who are also equally fantastic and super passionate, each of them is going to work an extra hour. They're going to be super motivated. They're going to be like, holy shit, this is the best team I've ever worked with. And then all of a sudden you get this amplification. At Neuralink, I get the sense that most people are causing their teammates to do even better work. Thus the amplification I discussed. And this brings everything back to what the whole goal of this event was in the first place, recruiting. The team is still quite small at a little over 300 employees. 
It's worth considering applying if you're very motivated by the company's mission to solve debilitating brain and central nervous system ailments. As Elon always says, prior experience with biology or brains is not necessary. This is also stated on the company website. I want to emphasize again that the primary purpose of this update is recruiting. A lot of times people think that you know they, they couldn't really work at Neuralink because they don't know anything about biology or how brains work. Um, and the thing that we really want to emphasize here is that you, you don't need to. If you haven't seen the recording of the show and tell update event, I encourage you to check out the full version on Neuralink's YouTube page. We at Neuropod just hit 60,000 subscribers. Thank you to our generous Patreon supporters and channel members who enable us to continue producing Neuropod. If you found this video useful, please do us a favor and like and subscribe for future updates. You can also follow Neuropod on Twitter at Neuropod. Click here if you want to listen to my conversation with a former Neuralink engineer, or if you want to watch a 25-minute supercut version of the show and tell event. My name is Ryan Tanaka. Thanks again for listening.